1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: He leaves away. Australia away. Sit back and enjoy the strike play of Meg Lanny.
2: This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner.
0: Johnson strikes again. She's on a hat trick She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World
1: Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG. Hello and welcome back to The Scoop. We are the cricket podcast dedicated to the women's game. My name is Emily Collin. And I'm Laura Jolly. And LJ, it is finally the season finale, so the Aussie women have swept the Rose Bowl series And finish the international season on a high and to help us cap it all off we're chatting with Hannah Darlington who's coming off her first international tour as well as cricket.com.au's very own Adam Burnett who was the brains behind the heat repeat but before we get to our true guests LJ what a ride that season was for Australia's women and it started all the way back in September 2020. That
0: feels like a lifetime ago and it has been a wild ride amazing to think it was back then New Zealand came across to Brisbane in September wasn't just them doing quarantine it was all the Vic and New South Wales girls as well and that was the first time Australia played since that T20 World Cup final at the MCG and it's certainly been a huge summer since then too.
1: Yeah and then it was on to the WBBL which of course heading into that tournament there were plenty of questions around what a WBBL would look like in a pandemic but Full credit to Cricket Australia. The whole season was played out of a hub in Sydney, which was obviously an unforgettable experience for players and staff. And of course, it was the Sydney Thunder who came away with their second trophy.
0: And then after a few false starts and border closures, it was WNCL time. And I think one of the best things about this season was that the fact that so many matches were streamed this year and fans were able to watch their favourite teams and players in action the quality of the cricket was incredible. So many centuries scored and runs galore from Elise Bellani and Georgia Redmayne. And it was awesome to see Queensland take home the, um, the Ruth Pretty Trophy for the first time in the 25-year uh, history of the competition.
1: And then to bookend it all, it was Australia heading back to New Zealand for three T20s and three ODIs. So the T20 series obviously finished locked at one all after the decider was washed out. But the ODIs, it was pretty special to watch. The Aussies come away with, um, they obviously came away with a clean sweep of the Rose Bowl and on the way broke the record for the most consecutive ODI wins in the ever. So we're now up to 24 wins and counting.
0: And I think there were a few nervous moments for people on Saturday when it looked like the streak might actually be at risk with the heavy rain in Mount Monganui. It's one of those weird quirks of cricket where a total washout would have kept the streak intact, but as soon as the coin toss happened, it was going to count as a match and a washout from there would have ended the streak. Fortunately, even though Australia were up against it, the, uh, the rain held off. They um, defended a score on a tricky wicket and then very quickly got on a a. 2am bus from Mount Morganui off to Auckland airport and straight home to Australia.
1: Yep so the Aussie girls will be back on home soil probably already but yeah it is a phenomenal achievement for the Aussie women. LJ that winning streak started back in March 2018 which is over three years ago now so you were there in India when it all began. Take us back to that time and how from your perspective how has that team how has the team evolved over that three-year period?
0: Yeah, it's funny looking back, and obviously when these things start, you have no idea what they're going to turn into. And the headlines for Australia in that tour were the fact that Meg Lanning had just come back from her eight months off with her shoulder injury. Beth Mooney forced her way back into the one-day side after being dropped for the Ashes and hasn't missed a game since incredibly. And Elisa Healy scored her first ton for Australia, which when you think of what she's done since, that was such a watershed moment for her. And one of the, the biggest goals for Australia was just getting a bit of revenge over India after that World Cup semi-final. And in the T twenties, they broke what had been a three-year drought without winning a single T20 series. So it's a very different time for the Australian team. And one of the things I remember looking back was just how much fun they had on that tour. Because India, it can be a bit like being in a hub at times. Players don't often don't always get out of the hotel as much as they would in other countries, say like New Zealand. And the team really bonded under those conditions. I think Meg Lanning and Megan Shoot said at the end it was one of the best tours they'd ever been on in an Australian group, just because of the way they gelled and how much they'd loved each other's company. And I think that's one of the things that's carried through with the team since they just genuinely love being together. And anytime they come together after a big break, they're just so excited. And that's one of the things I think that has helped this team put together such an incredible run.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's been unbelievable to witness what this team has been able to achieve in that in that three-year window. And as you mentioned, Elisa Healy was one of the four players who played in each of those 22 ODI wins. So to hear her reflections on that winning streak, make sure to listen to this week's episode of the Unplayable podcast, where she chats with Sam Ferris about that winning streak and what it meant to the Aussies. But now we're all set for a well-earned break. LJ, what's next on the horizon for Australia's top female cricketers?
0: A very well-deserved break, as you said. (laughs) they have got a a nice big rest now for the next couple of months, which is very well-deserved and we will be doing the same, but there's a lot of cricket to look forward to once things start up again,
1: isn't there? There's so much to look forward to in a massive 2021 and 2022 summer in Australia that will include a home series against India, of course, a WBBL, a home Ashes series, and not to forget the massive ODI World Cup in New Zealand in March and April next year. But for now, the scoop will be taking a bit of a break. So we're going to follow along with the cricketers in that sense. So want to say a huge thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. It's been a lot of fun for us doing this first season of The Scoop, and we can't wait to to be back ahead of a huge summer this year. And welcoming onto the show today for the very first time, we've got cricket.com.au journalist Adam Burnett. Now, I'm sure plenty of our listeners will have read some of AB's wonderful feature pieces, but today AB is here to talk to us about the Heat Repeat Ab, firstly, tell us all about where the inspiration for a documentary revolving around the Heat's back-to-back titles came from.
3: Hey Em. hey LJ, how are you guys going? You well? Yeah, we're we're really we well. Are. That's the way. I um well, in terms of inspiration, it was a funny one because it was um it's oh, almost a year ago. I think about maybe nine months ago, we were in the thick of COVID and uh, we were stuck in Queensland. Uh, I work out of Queensland with. Uh, one of our cameramen, Clancy Cinnamon, and um, yes, yeah, so it was almost a, just a situation of good circumstance where we knew the Queensland girls were stuck in Queensland as well, so they were they were prime targets for us. And uh, obviously, coming off the back of two titles, we knew there were some um, some good storylines in there in terms of the success they'd had. But then, on top of that, I guess. There's some really, um, as you guys would be well aware, some very strong personalities in that group. And, um, yeah, so we, we thought, well, let's dive into this if, if they're mm-hmm. willing. And um, luckily enough, they were very willing. So away we went.
0: It was just a lot of drama. Were you expecting to pick up so many or uncover so many great storylines?
3: Uh, no, I, I probably wasn't. We were keen to just capture what was a good snapshot of um, the women's game, obviously, because there was that side story. Whereby um, you know the success of WBBL four and that the semi final day, where I think as JJ or as um, Jess Janusson put it, um, that day really put women's cricket on the map, in in her opinion. And we thought, okay, well let's sort of take advantage of you know this this rise in, in women's cricket and really um, put it on full display. Um, but then yeah, as we sort of got going into into the narrative. Um, and all the interviews that we were doing little bits little threads revealed themselves here and there and um, yeah it was it was good it was good to scratch the surface a little bit because you know not every cricket team is is one big happy family and uh, that's part of the challenge I guess of a professional environment you've got to work your way through it and and get the best out of each other uh, and that's what the Heat were able to do through I, I guess some good leadership and um Yes, yeah, and mature approaches at, at the right times.
1: Yeah, so I guess after going through all those little threads and storylines, we you, you ended up with a two-part documentary that aired on Foxtel. Was this always the plan, AB? And at what point did you realise it was going to turn into such a such a big thing?
3: Uh, good question. And I'm not 100% sure where when it started spinning out to sort of 90 minutes plus. But um, yeah, the more. Uh, content we compiled the more interviews we did the girls were extremely generous with their time so they you know we got hours and hours with um you know half a dozen of them or more um we're able to get the kiwi girls um amelia kerr and maddie green for a bit of a shorter period but the ones who were in queensland were were really generous with their time um sat down with us and and really dove into it so once we worked out that there was some some good stories beyond yay we won and um you know some more compelling compelling narratives we thought okay well we can spin this out a bit further and um yeah that's what we did Uh, we thought yeah some of the um more combative i guess uh storylines were were uh pretty interesting for the, the viewers
0: and we've seen a lot of really compelling sports docos cropping up in recent years were there any that inspired you
3: Uh, Just looking back at the timeline, I'd be lying if if I didn't say the Jordan one like everybody else. I think (laughs) we watched that in, I think, April, May, didn't we? And um, this idea was creeping up around then. So uh, we definitely wanted to jump on that. Uh, That was definitely a catalyst. And there's been some some really good ones. Obviously, the test, um, which I guess those were slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, in themselves a the test obviously following the Aussie team through the events whereas this one was more a retrospective piece but um, yeah no, it was fun to do and it's a lot of work but um, yeah it's a nice nice to be able to explore a different medium and, and tell a story through um, visual means as well
1: yeah, nice. So it all started with that that dressing room dust up in WBBL 04. It was early in the season. The Heat had just gone down to the strikers and a pre- pretty disappointing loss. So it was Beth Mooney and Kirby Short out in the middle. They weren't able to chase down the target. There were a few wickets in the shed. And Jess Johnson sort of brought it up that it might have been a little bit selfish by the two leaders, not to really give it a crack. It was pretty intense stuff. How did you sort of come across that storyline?
3: Yeah, well, that was, that kind of, as I said, I guess little threads reveal themselves along the way and then you have to bluff a little bit as an interviewer <laughs> and maybe um, pretend you know more than you do. And I think I spoke to Beth first and she's always a great interviewer because she's really candid and um, she doesn't hold back. But um, so she sort of alluded to a, a little bit of friction and um, in that match and, and after that match I guess and she said that she thought oh god uh, I think it's in the docket she says oh this is going to be a long season and um, you know not ideal from when your best player is saying that after game one but um, I guess in a sense all the more credit to them for then going on to win two in a row and yeah that allowed me to sort of explore it a little further with the next interview and then a little bit further with the next interview and then once it's clear that you know it's out there the players are more sort of comfortable to, to talk about it and, and that's how we roll.
0: And is there a certain level of trust required to get the girls to be comfortable revealing details like that?
3: Yeah I think so LJ. Um, as you'd be well aware you know we're in a pretty fortunate position where we've spoken to these girls especially you more so than me but um, the Queensland girls I've, I've built some reasonable relationships with I, I hope and um, over the last few years um, so that and you're a familiar face and, you, yeah, you, I guess you become, to a point, a trusted face and and then, yeah, you, you try and build on that. Um, you don't want to do the wrong thing by them, by any stretch. So you've got to be conscious of the story that you're telling and and in that regard, I guess, honesty is is always the best policy and if they're willing to, you know, reveal what they're willing to reveal, then, um, yeah, you have to be uh a little bit careful to portray it accurately or, or very careful, I guess. But, um, yeah, the main thing is just just telling it honestly um, because if you do that, then you, you can't go too wrong, I don't think.
0: Were some of them a bit more forthcoming than others?
3: Yeah. Um, Beth was an interesting one because she was the first one I spoke to. So normally Beth is, is probably the most candid of the lot. And um, as I said, I guess she was kind of – she was the one who sort of alluded to a few issues. Um, but the thing is, and, and that sort of allowed me to to go further with the other girls um, in terms of those storylines. But um, it's a we got a bit lucky in the sense that this is a group of none of them are shrinking violets. Um, I don't think any of them would be fence sitters. It's a it's a pretty strong group, and um, that's probably why they've had so much success as well. But you know, JJ is very strong. Grace Harris, D K, Delissa Kimmins. They're all um, confident speakers and, um, yeah, they're not, not afraid to, to voice their opinions. So it was really good in that regard.
1: AV, after watching the documentary, it really did seem like the influence of Kirby Short was just so important from the group, but maybe something a fan wouldn't pick up on just, just through watching the cricket. From your perspective and speaking to Kirby and all her teammates, what was it about her leadership that allowed that team to blossom?
3: Mm, good one, Emma. I actually had forgotten to mention Kirby. Until now, and yeah, she. When it comes to confident and well-spoken, and all of those things, she was probably top of the list. She mm-hmm. was um amazing. We spoke to her one afternoon, and it just went on and on and on. <laughs> and I think she was sick of us by the end of it, but she just spoke so well, and we had so many questions for her. She was um, fantastic. So, um, what made her such a good leader? I think she is um, a really empathic person. So she and she tailors her leadership to the individual. That she won't just say, okay, my way or the highway. She seemed to uh, know that, okay, this is how Beth operates. I'm going to talk to Beth like this. This is how Grace operates. And she was someone who just seemed to be able to get on the right page with every single one of her players. And um, she also walked the walk as well as talking the talk. I mean, in the second season there, you saw how she got shuffled down the batting order um, and that was a Ashley Nofke head coach sort of move, um, but she saw that as being best for the team and her whole thing is about what's best for the team. So she had to put her ego aside a little bit and say, okay, well, if this is best for the team, then down I go. And, um, yes, yeah, she took that one on the chin and as uh, think Ash Nofke said just how incredibly well she took it and it's pretty uh, remarkable to be able to do that mid-season and then continue leading your side. So, um, so well.
0: And this was a sort of new venture for you into this long form video storytelling and hopefully not your last. Is it something you want to keep
1: pursuing?
3: Yeah. um, It takes a long, a long time. That's what I learned. And, you know, the video guys who put it together, Warren Dowley and and Clancy would have spent even more hours than I did on it um, in the edit suite, as they call it. And just refining and and doing their thing um so yeah but I I think it was about a around about a three month project and we you know we weren't working on a ton of other things through that time so it's it's a big chunk of time um as you guys know the international cricket calendar doesn't afford us these windows too often so we were lucky to be able to take that one um but yeah I'd be keen I I just need um I need an idea to motivate me you guys got anything at the moment
1: we'll let you know <laughs> <laughs> have you heard of any uh feedback from the players or the fans yet
3: yeah i've had a couple of nice texts um from uh, a handful of the players and nice. which, which was cool um and yeah uh, one of them said that all the feedback she'd been receiving was only overwhelmingly positive um, yeah some really nice stuff so it's always uh we don't get a ton of feedback in this game do we so it's um, it's nice when it comes excellent
1: ab thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of the scoop and for all the listeners out there if you haven't watched the heat repeat yet do yourself a favor and go on to cricket.com.au and watch the two-part series it's well worth your time thanks ab
3: thanks guys it's good
1: And we are joined on this week's episode of The Scoop by Young Gun, Hannah Darlington. Hannah, you're nearly wrapping up your first ever international tour. How have you found it so far? Is it is it pretty much what you expected or is it different and how's it all gone for you?
2: Yeah, I guess it's not really what anyone expected um, to be my first tour and have to do a quarantine and kind of have two weeks away and the, um, you know COVID environment is a little bit different but yeah it's been it's flown by so I think that's the
0: best part Um, we've been busy and yeah just totally enjoyed the squad. And we've watched the team break the world record for consecutive ODI wins since you've been over there from your perspective what sets this team apart in the way they train and the way they approach the game?
2: Yeah it's actually been really cool watching how they go about their training and that's probably been the biggest standout is that they train really hard and really consistently in terms of the way they want to play which is attacking fearless cricket and they do that in the nets which is Um, Pretty cool to be a part of and kind of find out how the the best go about it but from the perspective of the record like they they're probably the most deserving team to um, have such a unique lineup but also a really consistent one over the last couple of years has been really cool to kind of watch and yeah it was pretty nice to see in those change rooms um, after that game.
1: Yeah, I bet it would have been very, very fun to be a part of. And Hannah, you mentioned training alongside this team. They sort of, they train the way they play. What are some of the things that you've picked up from this team while training with them on the tour?
2: It's been awesome. Uh, I think I've kind of gravitated towards watching kind of Megan shoot, Nicola Carey and how they've gone about um, their work in the nets, just being similar players. And yeah, they're really smart about how they go about um, what they need to get out of the sessions. And then Ryan Harris has been amazing um, to have around the group as the bowling coach, been working with him quite a bit. Um, yeah, I think all the quicks are, are kind of working together because there is so many of us, so you're always kind of working with someone, which is cool because we're all pretty different in a way. So, uh, yeah, it's nice to kind of pick up things from everyone.
0: Has there been anything um, about your first Australian tour that's been different from what you might have expected or that surprised you? I think the only thing that probably stands out is um, you're kind of caught upon
2: yourself to, to sort yourself out, get what you need, um, and it's all on you. I think being in other environments, um, you know, it's kind of a bit more coach-led Uh, a bit more captain led and you know, you're kind of told what to do a little bit, but here it's all at your free will. Um, You get what you need and it's cool. It's pretty cool to kind of choose your own adventure, but yeah, it's, it's a high professional environment. So trying to find out what you need and get it done is pretty
1: important. Nice. And we saw on Insta a couple of days ago, you joined a few of the girls hiking up the Mount. So aside from the cricket, what's been keeping you busy in New Zealand? Has it been a bit of a chance to get to know some of the Aussie girls a bit better?
2: Yeah, it's been nice to to get out and about, get to some cafes, um, you know, try the coffee around the place, get some nice brekkies. But yeah, we did climb them out. Um, we try to get a paddleboard session in but it was too windy and a couple of us were a bit chicken to get in the water it was pretty <laughs> cool. um, so we ended up yeah opting for the the walk back to the hotel but yeah there's there's plenty of doing the mountain. I think it's a perfect location to kind of set a base for these ODIs and yeah it's a beautiful scenery and I think the weather's looked after as well
0: up until this point so um yeah it's been amazing to kind of explore and we saw the group went to a, a local to visit some local Maori school kids the other day with the White Fern squad. How did you find that experience? So it looked like you played some games and, and saw a few dances. Yeah, I
2: absolutely loved it. Um, it was cool to kind of see another perspective of a different culture, and you can kind of understand a little bit more how um, outsiders feel. Kind of when we do our Indigenous protocols and um, celebrations and that it was really nice to kind of learn a new experience and how they go about their culture. And these kids are amazing. They were so. In tune with their culture, and I think that's something I, um, you know, love to see it a bit more back home. But these these kids were so proud to be able to to show us what they were all about, and yeah, to start playing some games with them was, was awesome. And they loved cricket. They loved showing us all these little games. I uh, I learned a new game. I think it was with these two sticks, and it was awesome. This little girl was teaching me, um, and taught me so well. And yeah,
1: it it was. Great. See little kids, um, you know, so proud of their culture. Yeah, it looked like heaps of fun. And on a similar note, recognizing First Nations cultures was obviously a really significant part of the Aussie Women's Team summer, as well as in the WBBL. Is that something you enjoyed getting the chance to share your culture with with some of your Sydney Thunder teammates?
2: Definitely, I think coming into the the WBBL hub, it was a really Um, good chance to kind of set down a platform but for how we wanted to do that and we're lucky to kind of have NAIDOC week within that and kind of recognize that there was some pretty good opportunity in there to have all the squads together kind of take part in it all as one I think that was the special part Um, it was a real collective way to go about it just not the Sydney Thunder but every team kind of jumped on it and was with it together so Yeah, I think it was kind of a a shining light of the hub of how much um, education recognition came out of it.
0: Yeah, and looking at Ash Gardner, um, who's having a huge impact as a role model for Indigenous community, how big a role do you think cricket can play in the lives of Indigenous children?
2: Massive. I think we've got an awesome chance here to kind of, we've seen how other sports have been doing it around the country and around the world with their First Nations. So cricket's kind of got this chance now where they've got Ash in the national team um, there's plenty of the blokes doing amazing things in the national scene as well so um, I think yeah it's a, a real chance over the next couple of years to, to continue this education I think that's the most important part is to people want to learn um, and it's pretty cool to see your teammates want to have these conversations with you and Ash is really good with that in the Australian setup um, they all really respect Ash and I think that's awesome um, and she's doing a great job at it so yeah I think the next couple of years is going to be really important just to continue that growth.
1: Yeah, for sure. And we saw uh, a couple of months ago, Annika Leroy took the field um, for the Breakers alongside you and Ash. So that was the first time there have been three uh, three Indigenous players in a domestic team. How how special was that for you guys? And does that sort of give you encouragement that there are going to be more and more Indigenous kids coming through the pathways?
2: Yeah, I can definitely say that was one of the more special days of my career. I think it was my debut as captain as well. And to see Annika make her debut and, you know, she's my housemate, she's my best mate kind of grown up playing cricket up in Alice together and our first kind of Empire Cup I think it was Ash was there as well so it was pretty special that we kind of did the full circle to go and play for the Breakers together and it was a pretty special day and Ash even presented a cap which made it even more special and I think Ash was more nervous at that point <laughs> than Annika but uh yeah it's it's been awesome and I think to see that growth of some of these kids that are coming through the Empire Cup they've just got natural ability and it, it's so special to see them go out there and do that um and there's definitely more opportunities arising for them to, to to make their way into the pathway system speaking of
0: the breakers and your captaincy how did you find that experience
2: yeah it was pretty daunting um kind of got chucked in I, I as soon as the australian selection came i thought i might have got out unscathed with having to to take a the rain this season. <laughs> but, um super honored to have that opportunity and Um, obviously Midge was unfortunate to miss those couple of games due to family reasons, but she had my back the whole way and and the squad did as well and it was really nice to kind of go out there. (laughs) An unfortunate result in the tie, but no better way to get welcomed to captaincy than a high pressure situation. So we love that. But yeah. it's been a dream to play for the breakers so it was a a dream on top of that to kind of lead it lead them out
1: there and um you know kind of prove the way that young cricketers can kind of do anything in in this day yeah awesome and it was only last summer that you missed out on a breakers contract and decided to head over to New Zealand to play in the super smash what what sort of made you give that a crack
2: yeah I guess uh, I kind of looked at the opportunity um whether to train with the breakers and try and break into their 11. And I saw an opportunity at the back of the year when the Australian players were going to be leaving. Um, and I kind of thought the best way to get cricket under my belt was to be playing. And that kind of came through the opportunity with the Otago Sparks. And it was going to be T20 cricket, um, but I didn't want to turn down the opportunity to be playing cricket instead of just training. So mm. it ended up working and getting me a 50-over call-up, um, which is the best part. And, it's yeah, it's kind of a weird moment if you done full circle and back at... New Zealand um, a year later kind of thing and it's all kind of worked out a bit weirdly over the last year but yeah I wouldn't change it for anything. And you weren't
0: even 18 at that point and you're living and playing cricket overseas by yourself. How was that experience and what did you learn from it? It was massive. I think mum and dad were probably a little bit more nervous
2: than I was <laughs> letting the kid off to New Zealand to live by themselves and um, kind of find their way but yeah I've always kind of enjoyed those kind of situations of learning and, and being able to go over there. I had Katie Martin and Susie Bates, um, who are you know legends for New Zealand cricket, to learn off, and that was pretty awesome to kind of have a new environment, um, find my way in, uh, around a new team, and then be able to yeah play some good cricket and, and get them to a semi-finals appearance, which they had to strive for, um, and then fly back and, and make my debut. So.
1: It was, yeah, it was a pretty special time and,
2: yeah, just another chance to learn, I guess. Yeah, what a time.
1: And after all that T20 cricket that you've played sort of during the WBBL earlier this summer, how did it go for you making the shift to playing some one-day cricket back for the breakers?
2: I absolutely loved it. I think I've been itching probably the whole pre-season to get a couple more overs under my belt um, and kind of feel that that rhythm of 50-over cricket, especially in the bowling. I think it's really nice to, to kind of set up a batter and, and have that – little bit longer to kind of work into your um, your work, and yeah, it was nice to to really be able to you know enjoy that most of the season when the breaks at the back end, and you kind of feel um, yeah, a bit of rhythm coming off the T20 season where everything's a little bit fast and shifted, and um, you know anything can be thrown at you. So mm. yeah, I'm really going fifty over cricket at the moment. It's probably a a huge area of
1: development for me at the moment
2: as well. So just trying to find my way.
1: Do you reckon T20 cricket is still your preference like, and still the format that suits your game the best?
2: Yeah, definitely at this point. Um, it's what I, I enjoy. I've always loved playing T20 cricket and, and the excitement it brings, um, the challenges it brings, the pressure, everything that comes with it. But yeah, I think going back to 50 over cricket makes you realise that it's nice to kind of have a familiar position in T20 cricket where I know my role, whereas in 50 over cricket, it's a bit new at the moment. So um, yeah, I didn't think it would be that way when I was a bit younger, but yeah, really enjoying T20 cricket and at the moment definitely a strength.
0: And speaking of the WBBL, the dust has all settled on that now. What are your lasting reflections on life in the hub? And do you think the way the Thunder Girls embraced it contributed to your success? I think I've said to, to
3: everyone that
2: asked about the hub that um, our success was going to come down to the way we, we kind of gelled as a group and embraced it. Um, we knew that this year probably could have been a year that any team could have won. It just would, would have been who made. Um, the best out of what they were given. And yeah, every kind of team had things thrown in their path and a couple of challenges along the way. But I think we embraced everything and to have a a skipper like Rachel Haynes kind of lead you through those kind of experiences helps a lot. Um, She's so calm and level-headed. She just kept the group Um, where they needed to be um, at every point of the competition which was massive but yeah I think looking back on it it was pretty special and quite rewarding to come out of an experience like that with a a medal around your neck.
1: For you personally that experience in the WBBL village it was obviously a pretty unique couple of months did you is it something that you look back on fondly now with a lot of good memories?
2: I had a great time I know a couple of the girls went a little bit crazy in there and (laughs) were a little bit bored but um, yeah, I had a great time. I was finding things to do. Um, yeah, it was a little bit weird that home was 20 minutes around the corner and it was oh. outside the family. I think, yeah, it kind of made it worth it that we were playing good cricket and, and made it probably a little, a little bit easier as well. So you kind of had mates in every team that would help you out along the way and they kind of became part of your mates away from cricket in, in a form. But, yeah, it was nice to have a, a great team help you through it.
1: And sort of looking back to the start of the season, you guys had a pretty young list and – perhaps not many people backed you to go all the way did you as a group think you had the had the belief to go all the way
2: yeah I don't like using um, a building phase because I think every team is successful in its own rights and it probably was a little bit of a building year for us and we went into there with a younger lineup um, a couple of new internationals which I think was going to be a, a momentum change for us and it worked really well that the internationals we came we got came in and, and really fitted with well within our squad Heather Knight did amazing in terms of performances and then Shabni Mismal also came back in and had another great year. So I think that kind of helped our experience boost um, and our young kids were able to just play cricket. I think that was the best part. Um, and it was nice to kind of see the young kids step up at different stages and Kind of built towards a a good mix of experience and youth that ended up being
0: a a championship winning team. And you spoke about the leadership of Rachel Haynes, obviously also the Aussie vice captain there now. What have you learned from her leadership style? And and yeah, she's so experienced in that space. Yeah, I've been doing quite a bit of work with Rach around leadership. And um,
2: yeah, she's kind of taught me a lot in terms of just how to have those conversations with teammates, kind of lead the way in terms of how you go about your training and everything like that, but probably more just trying to figure out when when to speak and, and when um, those little things that not many um, I guess leaders think about in terms of when you're speaking is people listening and is it the right time to speak and things like that just the the things that kind of make a, a bigger impact than you think and yeah I think she's been awesome at that and it's kind of nice to watch her go about it, her vice captaincy here in the Australian as well and yeah she's a probably one of the most professional leaders I've I've seen and yeah, so much respect.
1: And we'll just touch on a bit of your life outside of Cricket Hannah. So you're studying marine biology, is that right? Yes, correct. And what led you to that? Uh,
2: It was a little bit of a, I guess, toss up. I always was a science fan in school and kind of went with nutrition science or marine science and yeah, kind of had an experience up in um, Coffs Harbour where I saw a shark get rehabilitated and it was just kind of a light bulb moment and that was it. Um, It went from there enrolled in the course a couple of months later and yeah, I'm kind of here at the
1: moment, second year of uni. There you go. How have you been managing to keep on top of your studies with all the cricket that's been going on?
2: Yeah. Quarantine helped me quite a bit. The two weeks, <laughs> thing, um, which was nice because I had an assignment due today, um, which was handed in yesterday um, in, in good times. So, yeah, I guess it's it's nice kind of having people in similar positions to get your uni done and they motivate you through it as well. So, yeah, it's been um, quite nice to have something to do, though, especially when you're enjoying your
0: studies. Absolutely. And you mentioned you live with Annika Um Do you live with Lauren Cheadle as well? Correct, yep. There's the three of us in there with a, a nurse as well who, um, yeah,
2: looks after us all. How's that all going? And, and is this all your first experience living out of home? Uh, has lived out of home quite a bit. Um, and Annika moved down to Sydney from Coffs Harbour. at uh, The starting of the break is pre-season, but this is our first time in, in a full kind of share house, which has been really cool. Um, some of my best mates as well. And, yeah, we're kind of helping everyone through this experience of being a professional cricketer, which is really nice. Um, yeah, I'm actually missing them a bit being over here. I, I, how they're coping back home. But, um, yeah, it'll be nice to get back in and back into a routine. But, yeah, they've been really supportive. And, it, yeah, it's a nice Kind of feeling to have um, mates as well as teammates that have always got you back.
1: Nice. I'm
2: assuming you guys do a fair bit of
1: training together when you're not when you're at home,
2: or is it no cricket chat at all? No cricket chat. Um, we oh, keep okay. it unless we're kind of helping each other out, which we do quite a bit. Um, but yeah, we're all really competitive. So we've even got a, a whiteboard in the kitchen that has everyone's fitness PBs, um, and we're trying to beat each other. But at the moment, Annika's topping us because
1: she's a bit of a, a fitness nuffy. But yeah. <laughs> hard to try and get um, spots on the whiteboard off each other. And it's been a pretty intense summer for you, Hannah. There's been so much cricket on. Have you got any plans for when you return back to Australia to chill out or any holidays on the horizon? Yeah, if
2: I knew about the travel bubble, I probably would have stayed in New Zealand a little bit. Uh. longer. I guess after being here, um, it's going to be nice to kind of head back in and get back into a bit of an off-season rhythm, um, enjoy some time away completely re- away from cricket. It's been a, a long season. Um, I think it'd just be nice to spend some time around the family as well. Obviously, um, the hub took some time away and things like that. So, um, yeah, it'll be nice just to kind of have – no plans. I think that's
1: my biggest part. I'm I'm happy to kind of just see what I want to do each day and, and go from there. Sounds ideal. Well, thank you so much, Hannah, for joining us on this week's episode of The Scoop. It was a pleasure to chat. We wish you all the best for the rest of the series and have a good break from cricket once it's all over. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning.
2: This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner.
0: Jonathan strikes again. She's on a hat trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG.